0: you're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. Good morning church family. Hey, um, happy Pi Day. Happy Pi Day. Today is 3.14 March 14th. Happy Pi Day. Um, I think you can go to pizza places or I think you can go to Sauce and get some free pizza. Um, There's like a disco look up online. But happy Pi Day. Yeah. Um, Today we're going to... um, Today's start of the message is going to be a little bit different. We're pretty much just going to jump right in, Um, and the way I share this message this morning, it might remind you uh, a little bit of Dr. Seuss. I know we're not supposed to talk about him anymore, Um, so Facebook, YouTube, please don't pull our live stream down, okay? Um, But... You can identify Dr. Seuss first by his, right, his illustrations, okay? Um, very unique artistry, and, and I don't have any illustrations like that for you this morning. Um, but the second way that you can recognize Dr. Seuss is by all of the rhyming that happens, right? Fox in socks, hop on, pop. There's a wocket in my pocket, and you probably have some of your, your favorite from when you grew up, right? So much rhyming in a whole book, which is really difficult, um, but as if rhyming wasn't difficult enough, sometimes Dr. Seuss, um, he would challenge himself, Dr. Seuss being Theodore Seuss uh, Geisel, that's his real name, um, but he would challenge himself to write a story, but with a, a limited amount of words, Uh, For example, the cat in the hat uses 225 words in the whole book, and that's it. Um, Maybe this is just legend, but after writing the cat in the hat, um, Dr. Seuss's editor made a bet with him that he couldn't write a book using less than 225 words. And so Dr. Seuss, he accepted the challenge, and thus Green Eggs and Ham was born with only 50 words in the entire book. That's all he uses, 50 words. Um, now, today, I'm, I'm going to use way more than 50 or 225 words, okay? Um, I don't think I could preach a whole sermon with just that many words. And I don't think you would enjoy me preaching a sermon and rhyming after every single line. Um, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if that's an appropriate challenge for this setting, Um, but there are two words that I'm going to use quite frequently today, and they're the words who and how. Who and how, how and who, who and how. You're going to hear that a lot today um, because in, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, we're finally in Philippians chapter 2 after four weeks. Um, but in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, um, Paul also focuses on a who and a how when it comes to our faith. And so the title of today's message is Who and How. Let's just pray and let's get right into the the meat of uh, the text this morning. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, we have a guide throughout this life that you've called us to live. We thank you um, that first and foremost, Jesus, you are with us, that you've sent your spirit to help us, to counsel us, to lead and guide us through this life. But God, we're also so thankful for your word. And right now, we, we just humble ourselves and say that, that your words are the most important in our lives. And God, I pray that, that with, um, as, as Luke was saying during worship, with everything that's going on in the world, so, so many voices speaking right now, God, I pray that you would help us to focus in on your word this morning. That we'd focus in on, on your truth this morning. Because, God, we we know that that's the perspective that we need most of all. God, you're the only one who can see everything that's going on. And you're the only one who has the right perspective, can put it all together. And so, God, help us. Help us this morning to see what you want us to see and live as you've called us to live as your children, God. So we thank you so much for what you're going to do in this place, what you're already doing through worship and what, what you're doing right now as we go into the word. We look to you, God, we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. All right, so um, I want to go about reading this passage a little bit differently today, too. Um, I want to first read verses 5 through 11, um, and then we'll go back to the top and read verses 1 through 4. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, make your way to verse 5, where we'll start. And, and the reason why I want to do it this way today is because um, Paul's aim is to show us how to be truly human, how to be good humans, um, the kind of human God created us to be before the fall, um, how to live as God originally intended for us to live. And in verses 1 through 4, Paul shows us the how we do that. But in verses 5 through 11, Paul shows us the who. You see, in our our world and culture today, there are a lot of people telling us how to be truly human. What a a good human looks like. But you know what? There aren't that many people telling us the who of being truly human. there's There's a lot of how Uh, Being truly human means that you need to support this cause. You need to back this movement. You can read blogs and articles about how to be the best you that you can be, how to be the best spouse, how to be the best partner, the best parent, right? You name it, how to be the best you that you can be. But the world doesn't point to the one who, one example to follow. Remember that old Gatorade commercial um, where the catchphrase was, Be like Mike? And it, it, was, it was Michael Jordan being the legend that he is on the court and being awesome, playing basketball, and, and the, the, the hint or the, the um, expectation from the ad is, is that, or I'm sorry, what was fueling his awesomeness was Gatorade. He was drinking Gatorade. And, and, and the uh, insinuation is that if you want to be like Mike, then you need to drink Gatorade like Mike, right? And we don't really hear ads like this anymore, do we? Pointing to a person, like be like this person. We don't really hear the world saying, be like anybody these days. It's all about the how and not at all about the who. And what you'll notice about all of these hows that we hear in our world today are that they're all different. And oftentimes they're, conflicting right you you have one side saying do it this way another side saying do it a completely different way one scientist saying this another scientist saying that one person uh, and their truth saying one thing another person's truth saying another thing right which how is right and is the how that I am following now going to come around or be around well, good enough for tomorrow? Or is some new how going to come along where I'm going to have to change and adapt to the culture around me? Right. And what we see is that all of these dissimilar outlooks, all of these dissimilar hows are leading to negative outcomes in our world. We have culture wars Political wars, racial wars, gender wars, social wars. And I think the reason the the world and and culture today no longer looks up to people, no longer points to, to one who or example to follow, is because we're all very aware of how flawed we are. You can say, you can look at one person and be like, oh man, look at the way this person lives. Isn't it amazing? I mean, aren't they such good humans? I hear that a lot and and kind of speak like, oh, they're a really good human. But then when that person, they mess up, they do something wrong, the world tends to to look at the flaw of the who and then concludes that, well, maybe the how is not right either. Their how must be flawed. I mean, if you think about it, people like Abraham Lincoln and, and Theodore Roosevelt, they used to be looked up to but now their statues are threatening, being torn down. Celebrities and people in the spotlight who used to be in the good graces of the world are being cast out because they failed to or, or they no longer hold to the predominant how of today. Right? So, so we can't, the world is saying, we can't point to examples anymore of, of who a good human is because they will eventually fail. And then all that's left is that we have to keep working and tweaking and changing and modifying the how until we as humanity can get it right. And I don't know about you, but that sounds exhausting, right? That sounds confusing. How do we keep up? Right? That sounds unstable, an unreliable way to live. Okay, but, but what if we could point to a person who perfectly showed us how to live as humans. Never, They never faltered. They never changed, never failing. And what if that their, their how never needed to be changed? It never needed to evolve because it always led to the good and benefit of others around them. And even when times, the world, the culture changed, their how was still relevant and made a difference for good in the world all the time. I mean, no one could in, in time or, or in, in the future could look back on that person and say that they are not a good human. So do you think that we could trust that person? Look to them as a reliable who? A reliable example of how to be human and how to live as we were created to live. And so knowing how to be good humans the kind of humans that that God created us to be. It is important, but I think what's more important, what's more helpful, what's more inspirational than knowing the how is knowing the who, knowing the who, which is exactly what Paul does in Philippians chapter two, verses one through 11. He tells us the how of being good humans, but he also tells us the who. And so I, I wanna start today with the who first, verses five through 11. The example first, and then we'll get to the how, the execution of the how. All right, so, so who is this example? All right, well, let's finally start reading um, in verse 5. Let's see what Paul says. Uh, Paul says, have this mind. Right, he, he's talking about an outlook. He's talking about a perspective. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Can you just say that with me? In Christ Jesus. Okay, have this mind refers to the how to be a good human, um, verses 1 through 4, which we will get to, I promise. But this how is most importantly rooted in the who. Who is Christ Jesus. That's probably the biggest point of today. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is our who. Jesus is our perfect example of how to be good humans. And my encouragement to you this morning is don't root your focus on how to be a good Christian, but root your focus in who Christ is. Bottom line for today. Right? Root your focus not in the how to be a Christian, but in who Christ is. Learn about, study, get to know who Christ is, and I promise you the how to be a Christian will follow. You think about the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the, the scribes. They were all so focused on the how, right? The law, when the who was right in front of them, but they missed him, they missed him, right? They rejected the who for the sake of the how. So don't focus so much on the how, focus more on the who and the how will come. Focus on Jesus as our perfect example and you will want to follow his example, you will want to be like Jesus. But, But why is Jesus our perfect example? Well, let's keep reading. Paul continues in verse six. Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So first and foremost, um, what we need to understand is that Jesus is God. Amen? Jesus is God. All of the attributes, all of the qualities of God are seen and incarnated in Jesus. Jesus even said to his disciples that if they have seen him, then they have seen Father God. Right? And, and so um, all that is to say is that Jesus, the Son of God, um, is equal to God the Father. But what makes this verse so compelling is that Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, when I used to read that verse, um, I took the word grasp to mean comprehend, right? Like like Jesus could not comprehend equality with God, but that doesn't make sense. Or or I I took it to mean that Jesus um, did not count equality with God a thing to be attained. That doesn't make sense either, though. Um, And that's not what grasp means here in this verse. A better reading of this verse is that Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be exploited, or to be held on to for personal gain. He didn't hold on to his equality. And so, with that meaning, we understand that Jesus is God and he is equal with God. The same power and authority that God the Father has, Jesus the Son has an equal. The same timelessness that God has, no beginning, no end, right? Jesus also has. But Jesus did not. Exploit his equality with God for his personal gain. Or maybe if we could condense equality with God into one word, we could say that Jesus had privilege. He was privileged. Jesus is privileged, but he didn't exploit his privilege. I mean, can you imagine being privileged with all the power and authority like God? I'm thinking of the movie Bruce Almighty, one of my favorites. It's one of his best movies ever with uh, Bruce, uh, with uh, Jim Carrey playing Bruce. Right, But, but Bruce, he's, he's given equality with God, so to speak. Given the chance to be God and do a better job than he felt God was doing in his life. And what did he do with his privilege? He exploited it, right? He used it for his advantage and personal gain. Sure, he he helped people along the way, but ultimately he used it to try and get his girlfriend back. That was the whole point, right? But that's not what Jesus did with his privilege. He didn't um, exploit it. What did he do? Paul continues, verse 6. Again, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or exploited. Verse 7, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And so Jesus, our example, did not exploit his privilege for personal gain, but he emptied himself for others' gain. Now this emptied himself, um, it does not mean that Jesus gave up his privilege that Jesus denounced his privilege or apologized for his privilege. Jesus still had privilege. I mean, the storm and the winds obeyed him when he told them to be still. Diseases, demons, and even death fled from people when Jesus told them to flee. I don't know about you, that sounds like privilege. Right? But still, His privilege is emptied out. All of his privilege he didn't use for himself. He emptied it out for others. Jesus emptied out his privilege and took on the form of a servant. And Paul goes on to say in verse 8, and Jesus being found in human form, I really like how he uses that word found because it it describes so well Jesus' life here on earth. Even though Jesus is God, equal with God, has the same privilege as God, he didn't just bust out onto the scene, right? Just explode into the world and say, here I am, I'm God, come worship me. That's not what he did. No, the the wise men and the shepherds had to follow a star and the instructions from angels in order to find Jesus, Right, though Jesus could have made a big deal about himself, the Savior of the world lived in relative obscurity for 30 years. And here we are, youngins, wanting to be known as soon as we can. Right, almost no one in Nazareth, or the world for that matter, knew that God was living right next door to them in their very own backyard. Right, but as Jesus began his servant ministry, people found out that he was The Messiah, he was found. So verse 8, and Jesus being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death even on a cross. So not only did Jesus, our example, empty his privilege out by becoming a servant for the sake of others, but he also suffered and sacrificed for the sake of others. Instead of snapping his fingers like like Thanos and changing the world. No, Jesus, he obediently suffered and died on the cross. The ultimate emptying to change the world. So let's keep going. What was the result of Jesus emptying himself to the point of death on the cross? Well, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The result of Jesus emptying himself is that he is exalted above all as Lord of all. All that Jesus had as an equal with God, he emptied out Onto the world, but God restored all that Jesus had and exalted him to the highest place of honor. What's amazing is that Jesus didn't need this exaltation. He already had it before he humbled himself by coming to the world as a human. He was already in the form of God and equal with God. The angels and the heavenly hosts, they were already exalting him. Praising him, honoring him. So he wasn't striving to achieve something for himself that he didn't already have. His motives were totally pure and selfless. And so let's put all of this together. Verses 5 through 11, right? I think we have a slide. Um, Our example, Jesus, being equal with God, did not exploit his privilege but completely emptied himself, not denying, but using his privilege to serve and suffer, which resulted in God exalting him to the highest place of honor, all for the glory of God the Father and the good of others. What an example, right? What an example of what it means to be human. Right? Who could ever look at that life, the life of Jesus, and say that he wasn't a good human? No one can. Right? That's why in other religions and, and worldviews, though they might not see Jesus as God, they still respect and honor him as a good human at least. Right? And, and what's crazy right now is that when you look at the world and when you look at, at culture today, Though they may deny Jesus as God, they deny the who, but they still want his how. They still want what he did in this world. I mean, think about it. Isn't there a call in the world today for people to stop exploiting their privilege? Whether that privilege is based on gender, race, religion, or, or financial standing. Isn't there a call in the world for people to empty themselves of their privilege for the sake of others who are different than them, whether by gender, race, religion, financial standing. And, and if you empty yourself, instead of exploiting your privilege, and th- then you will be exalted in good standing with the world, right? You see, the world wants the how of Jesus. They just don't want the who. They don't want Jesus, But the problem with that is that the world's how is not rooted in a who. There is no who. The how is what's most important to the world. And when your how is not rooted in a who, then you get things like socialism, communism, Marxism, fascism, tribalism, capitalism, whatever. Right? And all of these isms are just different and conflicting hows that ultimately serve themselves and not the people who adhere to them. Right? Again, like the Sadducees and Pharisees, they were slaves to their law, their how. And no matter how much they held on to their law, it didn't make them better humans. It made them worse, actually. And so none of these hows can stand on their own because they aren't rooted in a who, not just any who, but in Christ Jesus. Am I saying that if Jesus was a socialist, communist, Marxist, fascist, tribalist, capitalist, or whatever, that one of those would be better than the other? No, because that, that statement is still rooted in the how and not the who. What is most important is Jesus. Simply Jesus. Jesus. Because we don't submit our lives to following a how, we submit our lives to following a who, and his name is Jesus. And so this is what Jesus did say. He said that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this wasn't a threat, but it was an eventuality that if you love Jesus, if you focus on who he is, what he did for us, then the how will eventually come because you will want to be like Jesus. And so having read verses 5 through 11 first, which are all about the who, all about the example, all about Jesus, we can successfully and effectively execute the how. All right, when we have a clear focus of who Jesus is as our example, when we have his perspective of what it means to to be truly human, because he's the only one who's ever been able to effectively show us what being truly human looks like, then we can execute the how. We can follow Jesus' example. And so let's go back up to chapter 2, verse 1. And let's start from the beginning. Paul says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ... We just spent most of our time understanding who this incredible Christ is and the example that he's shown for us. And I don't know about you, but I am encouraged in Christ. He's amazing, right? So if there is any encouragement in Christ, check, we got it. Any comfort from love, that's the love he's shown us. Any participation in the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, we receive as our helper because of Jesus. Any affection and sympathy, that's personally being moved with affection and sympathy because of who Jesus is and what he's done. And then Paul says in verse 2, complete my joy. There's that word again. Complete my joy by being of the same mind or what? Perspective having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So Paul is saying in verse 2, that not only should we have the same perspective, the same love that Jesus has, following his example, but we should together as, as the body of Christ have the same perspective and love that Jesus has, but towards one another. Right, Paul is, is overjoyed that we are encouraged in who Christ is and what he's done for us. That is his mission and purpose in life, to live in such a way that points people to the awesomeness of Jesus. But his joy is only complete if we then share in that encouragement and love and perspective and affection and sympathy with other followers of Jesus. Right, It's not just about Each one of us as individuals loving Jesus, that's good. But what's more important is each individual loving those around them with the kind of love that Jesus showed us through his own example. Well, how do we do that, right? Where's the how? Well, Paul says in verses 3 and 4. Verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Hey, that sounds like Jesus, right? Verse 4, Uh, or sorry, keep going, verse three, count others more significant than yourself. That sounds like Jesus too. Verse four, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's what Jesus did, right? And so having gone through the who in verses five through 11, and now reading the how in verses one through four, we can see that the how is absolutely rooted in the who. Everything we just read is exactly who Jesus is and what he did. It isn't the how that really shines. It's the example of who Jesus is that really shines through the how. If we had points, this is another point. Not really points today. But the who should shine through your how, right? And isn't that the point? Isn't that our purpose and mission as followers of Jesus? Our following Jesus isn't for selfish ambition or conceit. Our following Jesus isn't to exploit it for personal gain. Our following Jesus isn't simply to point people to how to be better humans, but to point to the best human there ever was, is, and will be, Jesus. And when we follow Jesus' example, it's not us that the world should see. It's Jesus that the world should see. Because none of the hows that are circulating around the world today point people to Jesus. I'm sorry, but capitalism, socialism, communism, none of the predominant isms in the world point people to Jesus. And so we can't follow the world's hows. We have to follow Jesus's how. We have to practice love and humility the way Jesus did it. We have to practice um, sacrifice and, and service the way Jesus did it. We have to empty ourselves, not the way the world is saying empty ourselves, but the way Jesus emptied himself. And what's the result? Well, Jesus is known. People see Jesus. God the Father is glorified. We become more like the humans God created us to be, and the world becomes a better place because of it. His kingdom comes to earth. And we are also exalted in the process. That's not the point, but it's a blessing that we receive. right? So after all of of those who's and and how's today, what's the bottom line that I, I want you to think about? What do I want you to think about and consider in your own walk of faith? Well, what is your faith comprised of? Or is, is the substance of your faith rooted in just a bunch of rules and laws and steps and guidelines? A bunch of hows? Or is the substance of your faith rooted in a who? Is it rooted in Jesus? And when you live out your faith, what do people see more of? Do they see you just following a bunch of Rules and laws and steps and guidelines. A bunch of hows. Or do people see a who? Do they see Jesus? Right? Not that the hows are bad. We need hows. We need rules. We need the guidelines. Right. But if all of those are void of the who, right? void of Jesus, then they can't help us become the people God created us to be. There's no way. Right? Paul's encouragement in these verses, and Luke, if you want to start coming up, Paul's encouragement in these verses is don't be consumed with the how, but be consumed with the who. Right? It's Jesus we follow, and it's Jesus we want people to see. Because listen, a how cannot bring people to true freedom. A how cannot bring people to abundant life. Overwhelming joy, like Paul is talking about and all of the other things that we receive. No, the the, the hows can't do that. But who can? Jesus can. So as we close, here's some, some questions for you to reflect on. We went longer last week, much longer. So I was like, let's, let's go a little shorter this week. Um, and so only three questions for you this week. You can take a picture of them, write them down, screenshot if you're watching online. But question number one, what do you tend to focus more on when it comes to living out your faith? Following the hows or following the who's? Or the who? Number two, can you remember a time in your life when you felt strong in your faith? Do you think it was because you followed all the rules or because you started to know Jesus more? And number three, what steps will you take this week to know Jesus better? And so let's just take a, a moment to, to reflect on these questions. Go to the who right now. Right? Reflect on the how. Reflect on your life. What what your life has looked like. And then ask yourself these questions. What do I focus more on? That sounds weird. What do I focus more on? More on? What do we focus on more? Is is it the how? Is it the rules? Is it all all of the the things, the the commandments? Or is it Jesus? And if your life has been focused on the how, what has that done for you? So let's just spend some time. Let's just seek God in this moment. And ask God to show us change that we need to make. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you.